let's pray and let's ask God for his help. Gracious Father God, nothing will happen this morning unless your Holy Spirit does your work in us. Please, by the power of your Spirit, give us wisdom. Reveal yourself to us in your word that we might know you better. And please help me to be faithful in teaching your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. What you pray for tells you about what you treasure. Here are some uh, written prayers of some primary age children that I found on the internet. Dear God, thank you for the baby brother, but what I prayed for was a puppy. Signed, Joyce. Uh, Here's another one. Dear God, please send Dennis Clark to a different camp this year. Signed, Peter. What an honest prayer, asking God to do the dirty work. Or how about this one? Dear God, please put another holiday between Christmas and Easter. There's nothing good in there now. Signed, Ginny. Uh, Ginny must be an Australian. You see, you pray for what you treasure, whether it's more holidays, a new pet, a new car, a better job, a house, a relationship, good health, enough superannuation, an end to COVID-19. We pray for what we treasure, don't we? And I think what this time of living with COVID-19 has done is it's forced us to reconsider what we really treasure. When we're denied restaurants and holidays, when our jobs are on the line, when our investments are being diminished, when we can't meet loved ones, when we can't grieve properly, when we face the reality of death ourselves, it makes us ask the question, what really matters? What is it that we treasure in our lives? I wonder what the top three things were that you treasured before COVID-19. And since COVID-19, I wonder what the top three things are now that you treasure. And I wonder whether those things have changed for the better. And if you pray for what you treasure, let me ask you, what is it that you pray for? for yourself, and for others? Is it good health? Is it wealth? Is it success? In today's Bible passage, the Apostle Paul is going to show us the treasure that he prays for. And we're going to kneel next to the Apostle Paul as he prays. We're going to listen in on his first prayer in the book of Ephesians, and we're going to learn from Paul's prayer about what we should treasure for ourselves and for others. Well, Paul does two things when he prays. He thanks God and he asks God. Well, firstly, he thanks God in verse 15. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I've not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. What's the reason for Paul's prayer of thanks I think it's all of the first part of Ephesians chapter 1. Here is a good summary in verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Last week, we stood at the lookout, that is chapter 1, verses 3 to 14, and we tried to take in this majestic, this breathtaking view 
of what God has done for us in his son, Christ Jesus. And the essence of last week's passage was that God, our Father, has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ. One by one, the Apostle Paul takes us through this list of these blessings in Christ. God has chosen and adopted us into his family. God has redeemed and forgiven us through the blood of his son, Jesus. God has marked us with the Holy Spirit as a guarantee that one day he will return for us. God has revealed the mystery of his will for the universe to us. God has done all of this by his grace, his glorious grace in Christ Jesus. So the reason in verse 15 for Paul to turn from praise to prayer is all of this. For all that, has, that God has done for us. In Christ, I give, I give thanks to God. That is what Paul is saying. And you see, initially when you read verse 15, you might think that God, uh, that Paul would thank the Ephesian Christians. Oh, ever since I heard of your faith and your love for all the saints, I really thank you guys for staying strong, for being such an encouragement to me. No, that's not what Paul does. He doesn't thank them. He thanks God. And not just on one occasion, Paul is thanking God continually. I've not stopped giving thanks. Now, why does he do that? Because Paul has a really big picture of God. God is sovereign. God is powerful. God is gracious. He alone is the one who is able to bring us faith in Christ. He is the one who pours out his blessings on his people God is the one who drives people to love others. And so for Paul, it makes sense that before anything else that he prays, he gives God thanks. Paul would come to God with confident thanks for what God is doing in the lives of others. And you see, for anyone to come to know Jesus and to enjoy, and enjoy his blessings, well, it's a miracle, isn't it? Because based on our own efforts, as Paul will say in the next chapter of Ephesians, well, we are dead in our own sin. And life in Jesus is God's miracle to us. Are you convinced of this? It's impossible to come to Christ unless God does the work. Now, if you understand this, you will give thanks to God when you see others coming to know Christ. One of the, uh, the responses we're seeing to COVID-19 is fear. A fear makes us inward-looking. Instead of thinking of others, we hoard toilet paper and hand wash. We're scared, so we look after ourselves and our own little circle of people. You see, where you have a small view of God, it's very easy to be driven by fear. It's very easy then just to pray for yourself, to look after yourself. But a big view of God turns you outwards. A big view of God shifts you from being consumed by your own thoughts about yourself to thanking God, to being confident in the work he does in the lives of others. Dear God, 
COVID-19 has been really hard. Please bring this virus to an end. But I thank you for what you're doing through this virus. Thank you for Christians in Nepal who are reaching out to their neighbors in practical acts of mercy. Thank you, God, for the increased desire for Bible translation in Cameroon. Dear God, thank you for uni students who are using Zoom to share their testimonies and the gospel with their friends. Dear God, thank you that more people than ever have enrolled to do the Alpha course online. Thankfulness to God for the faith of others, well, it should be a mark of our prayers, shouldn't it? Instead of living fear, living in fear for yourself, wouldn't you rather live with confident thanks to God for the lives of others? So growing your view of God will lead you to thank God for others. Well, not only is Paul thanking God for others, but in the rest of the prayer, Paul is asking God for others. He's asking for three things, that they would know God better, verse 17, that they would know God's hope, verse 18, that they would know God's power, verses 19 to 23. Well, firstly, Paul prays for the Ephesians to know God better. Verse 17, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Back in verse 13, we already know that God has given the Holy Spirit to those in Christ. The Holy Spirit is a deposit, a guarantee of our future inheritance with God. But Paul here focuses on another aspect of the role of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives wisdom to Christians. The Holy Spirit reveals the truth about God to those who follow Jesus. And Paul is asking that the Spirit would do this work for an important purpose, and that purpose is that they may know God better. Remember I said you pray for what you treasure? Well, Paul treasures what he wants for these Christians, and what he wants them to treasure is God himself and the relationship that they have with God. Now think about what Paul has said in chapter 1. Who is it who's blessed you with every spiritual blessing in Christ? It's God. Who is it who lavishes the riches of his grace on you when what you deserve is death for the way that you've treated God. It's God, isn't it? Who is it who promises you an inheritance in heaven with him and guarantees that you will get there even when you stuff up and make mistakes time after time, when you sin against him? It's God, isn't it? And Paul is saying, this is the God that you need to know better. He is your greatest treasure. He is your glorious father. And of all the things that you could ask God for, this is the one that comes before them all, that you might know him better. Earlier I said Ephesians 1 is like standing on a lookout and seeing the breathtaking view of what God has done for us in blessing us with every spiritual blessing in Christ. But, but that picture is not relational enough, is it? It's more like the scene from The Lion King, where King Mufasa sits next to his son, Simba, 
one dawn morning, one morning as they look out over their kingdom. Mufasa tells his dearly loved son Simba that everything that the sun touches will one day be yours, Simba. And Ephesians 1 is like God, our Father, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, sitting next to us as we look at all these blessings and our Father says to us, you are blessed, my child. Everything that my son touches is already yours. Let me ask you, do you know your heavenly father like this? I wonder how many of us are content with how little we know God our father. Yeah, 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 I know God. I wonder how many of us are content to leave God at arm's length. Well, I'm encouraging you to be discontent with how much you know God. Pray that the spirit of wisdom and revelation would help you to know God better. I wonder if some of you watching this live stream today have felt that it's impossible to know God like that. Or maybe you're thinking that you could never be welcome into a relationship with God like that. He as your dearly loved father and you as his dearly loved child. Please think again. Call out to God in prayer. He invites you to know him better. And after the service, sign up for the Christianity Explored course. And that will help you to know God better. The second thing that Paul asks God for is that we might know God's hope. Verse 18, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. It's a powerful image, isn't it? The eyes of the hearts of these believers would be enlightened. And the heart is the center of your will your attitudes, your values, the place you make your decisions. And to see into someone's heart is to see what they cherish, what is truly important to them. And for the eyes of our hearts to be opened is for us to see what truly matters, what is treasure that is valuable. And Paul prays that their hearts would treasure the hope that God has given them. Well, Paul explains what this hope is in verse 18, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. And I think Paul is talking about what God treasures. God's inheritance is God's people. In the future, the treasured possession that God will claim for himself is his people. In the book of Revelation, chapter 21, there are these beautiful images of God's people that speak of how precious we are to God. A beautiful bride presented to Christ, her husband. A holy city built with precious stones. These images show, show us what we mean to God. Paul is saying that this is your hope. This is what God is looking forward to, a wonderfully, eternally secure future with his people. 
Where there is no sin, there is no suffering, there is no death. Where you will enjoy deep and personal relationship with your creator. And that should be every Christian's hope too. And it's not a vague hope, it's not pie in the sky. It's a confident, it's a secure hope because this hope is anchored in the death and the resurrection of Jesus. This is a hope that is guaranteed with the Holy Spirit as a deposit. God will one day pay in full. So treasure this hope, Paul says. And if you don't yet treasure this hope, well then pray that the eyes of your heart would be opened so that you would cherish this hope and anchor your life on this living hope. Uh, I'm a sucker for trinkets. You know what a trinket is, don't you? A trinket is, is a little toy that amuses you for a while. I love getting, uh, you know, things from vending machines. I love uh, kinder surprises and seeing what's inside kinder surprises. I love new technology and gadgets. But in the end, they're all trinkets, aren't they? And trinkets are not treasure. We lose interest in them until the new and better trinket. Trinkets get stolen, they get destroyed and lost. And we were shocked to hear of four police officers who were killed last month in a collision on the Eastern Freeway. They'd stopped a speeding driver of a Porsche when quite unexpectedly a truck plowed into them. And what was even more horrific was the behavior of the driver of the Porsche who'd escaped harm from the collision. And in the aftermath, he walked up to a leading senior constable who was dying on the freeway and he swore at her and blamed her for the damage to his Porsche. And we're shocked, we're appalled that someone could treasure a trinket like a Porsche 911 over someone made in the image of God. And we assure ourselves that we could never be like that. We would never treasure a trinket like that. And yet how many of us live our lives anchoring our hopes in the next trinket? The next phone upgrade? The next holiday to Bali, to Queensland? The new car, the new boat, the new caravan, the wedding plans, the retirement plans, the renovations. And don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with wonderful gifts from God. These gifts are to be received with thanksgiving and enjoyed. But in the end, trinkets are not treasure, are they? COVID-19 has thrown up all the trinkets in our lives. And this is the perfect time to anchor your hope in real treasure. The glorious inheritance of God. You, his people, with him for eternity. Pray that God might open the eyes of your heart to this hope. Paul prays that they would know God better. Paul prays that they would know God's hope. And thirdly, Paul prays that they would know Christ's power. 
Verse 19, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Well, Paul prays that the, their hearts would know God's great power in Christ. You see, you cannot live the Christian life without power. And we're going to see this in detail next week. All of us are dead in our own sin. Without God, we are slaves to sin, weak and helpless in the kingdom ruled by sin and by death. And we're powerless to free ourselves. We need power from God. We need the power that raised Jesus from the dead. We need the power that exalted Jesus to where he is now, seated at God's right hand, ruling over everything as the king of kings. We need the power that made Jesus the head of his church, the body of Christ. And Paul is saying that if you believe in Jesus, you have access to this power. You know, often when Christians ask for God's power, it's to do the supernatural, the miraculous things, words of prophecy, speaking in tongues. Or often when Christians ask for God's power, it's to change circumstances. But in Ephesians, when Paul prays and asks, asks God for power, it is seemingly to do ordinary things. He's asking for power for faith and love. Have a look at Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Did you see that? Power that these Christians might continue to have faith in Jesus. That's not very glamorous, is it? Verse 17, I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power, there's that word again, together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. Power that they may understand the love of Jesus better than they ever have before. That's not that exciting, is it? Why does Paul pray for power for such ordinary things like faith and love? It's because we need them, isn't it? We need the ordinary things. As I thought about this passage, I, I realized that what you and I need more than ever during COVID-19 is the ordinary things faith and love. When times are hard, when we suffer loss, it's hard to trust Jesus, isn't it? It's hard to know the love of Jesus. We're looking down the barrel of COVID-19. We're expecting unemployment and recession figures not seen in generations. Some of us have lost jobs and we're not sure how to pay bills or mortgages. Some of us are terrified of getting a virus that starves us of oxygen and then starves us of family and friends as we breathe our last breaths. Do you feel weak right now? 
Do you feel helpless right now? Do you feel frail right now? Then get on your knees and pray for power. Gracious Father, please strengthen me with power that Jesus might live in my heart through faith. Gracious Father, I feel that your love is far from me. With your power, help me to know with my heart the depths of his love for me. One of the accusations against Christians is that Christianity is a crutch for the weak. People who can't cope in life turn to religion. Well, let me say, guilty as charged. I am as weak as tissue paper in a hailstorm. I can't cope. I need the power that Jesus brings. And if you're watching this, and if you're as weak as I am, God's door is open to you. Pray for his power that Jesus might be real to you. Let me ask you a couple of questions as we reflect on Paul's prayer and tie some things together. Let me ask you, do you know the treasure that is yours in Christ? Now, if you notice the three things that Paul prays for, I want you to notice that Paul is not asking for something extra. He's not asking for extra blessing that is given as a bonus in the Christian life because He has already told us that God has given us every spiritual blessing in Christ. God has not held back any spiritual blessing from his children. No, Paul is praying for knowledge. He's praying that they would know what they already have in Christ. You see, those in Christ are rich beyond imagination. But do you know how rich you really are? A poor fisherman from Palawan in the Philippines was in his fishing boat and his anchor snagged on something heavy. And he discovered that the snag was a giant clam that is common in the area. And what he discovered inside was not common. He discovered a 34-kilogram pearl, 30 centimetres by 60 centimetres. It has now been recognised as the world's largest pearl. And the fisherman, not realizing what it was worth, continued to live in his small thatched hut. And for 10 years, he kept it hidden under his bed as a good luck charm, which he would touch before he would go on his fishing trips. When he was moving house, he asked his aunt Cynthia to look after it. And she was shocked when she saw it. Cynthia also happens to be the tourism official for the city of Puerto Princesa. And she said it was pointless to hide such a thing as they didn't know it's valued. And so the pearl was displayed in City Hall. Uh, This is what the South China Morning Post said. Puerto Princesa City Information Officer Richard Lagarde confirmed Cynthia Amurao's account and said the man who found it could be in for a massive change in his life's fortunes. What do you think it's worth? Have a guess. According to Forbes, the pearl is valued at $100 million. 
That's life-changing treasure, isn't it? And what gets me is for 10 years, he kept his treasure hidden under his bed. He had no idea what it was worth. And isn't that what we do often as Christians? Uh, Jesus is tucked away under the bed whenever we need good luck, good fortune. Our Bibles gather dust on our shelves. We let opportunity after opportunity go begging instead of turning to God in prayer. And we miss out on so much, don't we? Because we don't realize how rich, how great is our treasure in Christ. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. COVID-19 has brought grief, fear, anxiety, helplessness. Now more than ever, turn to God in prayer. And ask him to show you how rich you are in Christ. How privileged you are to know our Father, God, the creator of the universe. And that you are not alone in your trials. Well, let me ask you one last question before we finish. Do you pray for others to know this treasure? You see, what the Apostle Paul is doing in Ephesians is he's praying for others. And he's telling them what he prays for them. And God invites us to pray on all occasions with all kinds of prayers. But I encourage you to pray for treasure, not just for yourself, but for others. It's good to pray for what is good. It's good to pray for what is better. But please pray for what is best, that others would know God better, that others would know God's hope, that others would know Christ's power that Christ would live in their hearts through faith and that they would know the great dimensions of his love for them. Uh, to help you do that, I, I've actually um, printed something. I've made something. It's a little table, and you can download either in the talk on the webpage or the outline. It's the last page of those two things. And what is it? It is that on this table, I've broken Paul's prayers in Ephesians down into seven days. One thing on each of those seven days. And it's one part of each of those prayers that you can pray for someone you know. Now, each day you might pray that thing for a different person, or you might find one person and pray those things over seven days. And then what I can encourage you to do is after praying for them, tell them, that you've prayed those things for them. I'm going to pray for us now. Let's talk to God. Let's do what we've been talking about. Let's take this privilege now and pray. Gracious Father God, we have been humbled by COVID-19. What seems so precious to us is now being stripped away. Please help us to know the riches that you have given us in Christ. We ask that you would help us know your spirit's wisdom and revelation that we might know you better. Help us to know the glorious inheritance that you have in us. 
our wonderful hope. Please open our hearts to the power of Jesus, that we might know him in faith and love. Thank you that you are able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. According to your power that is work within us, to you be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen.